Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Have you heard? Metro by T-Mobile now includes Amazon Prime. Yes, enjoy the best of shopping and entertainment, movies, TV shows, music, free shipping, and much more. All included for just $40 per line for three lines. All on the T-Mobile network. Discover the smarter way. Metro by T-Mobile. That's genius. One offer per account. Offer subject to change. $12.99 per month value. Offer valid for new Amazon Prime members. Metro customers may notice reduced speeds versus some T-Mobile customers. Video at 480p. Capable device required. See store for details and terms and conditions. Recording live from Jake's Sports and Spirits in the historic Rhino District of Denver, Colorado, it's the Pickaxe Podcast, presented by Denver Stiffs. Now, here's your host, Adam Mates. What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Pickaxe Podcast presented by Denver Stiffs. I am your host, Adam Mares, and I'm joined by a very special guest. He is the Director of Analytics for the Denver Nuggets, Mr. Tommy Balchettis. How are you doing, Adam? Thanks for having me here, man. I'm excited. Yeah, well, it's been a long time coming. been trying to have you on the show for a bit. Our schedules have kind of not worked out because you've had a little bit of a busy summer, I would say. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah right after Vegas. I uh, ended up going back to Lithuania, getting married, uh, you know, honeymoon, all that, all that jazz. The Olympics were happening, so it was, <laughs> it was, it was a pretty fun summer as well. You've had a very packed summer, and it's kind of funny because front office guys, they really don't have an off-season. You have like a three-week off-season, and you had a jam-packed three weeks. So Yeah, yeah you know, it was, it was the best time to do it. Otherwise, you know, we wouldn't have done it. I think you're going to collapse around Christmas time this year. Very That's possible. <laughs> very possible. I'm ready to collapse right now yeah. but it's, you know, it's fun oh, that's cool. we're excited to have you here um we are recording actually live at jake's sports and spirits 3800 walnut street in historic rhino district of denver colorado they are our sponsor they're also home to stiff's night out stay tuned because we're going to have some exciting news about our first stiff's night out of the year that's going to be uh coming up here at tip off of the nugget season which is surprisingly not that far away um, it feels like because football season is starting, it feels like it's a long way away, but it's right here, and it will be at Jake's. It's a great bar, great sports bar, cool location, cool decorations, great food, great beer list. Uh, so check it out, 3800 Walnut Street. So, Tommy, first thing about you, I don't know how much people actually know about you. You're, you're somewhat famous. Do people stop you in the street and say, that's Tommy Belchettis? <laughs> the exact opposite of that. <laughs> no, but, that, but but Stitch readers definitely know who you are. I think uh, Nate Timmons did a very cool profile on you a couple years back. Um, and, and you do uh, you do have a very interesting job and an interesting field, uh, obviously, with basketball and with the Nuggets. But you actually grew up in, in Lithuania, which is... A basketball hotbed, actually. Like, surprisingly. It really is, yeah. Yeah. Um, just tell me, what was it like growing up in Lithuania, and what is basketball like in Lithuania in particular? Uh, it's actually, it's a good question. I think Lithuania might be the only, if not, you know, one of the few countries where basketball is number one um, in terms of, you know, all the sports. Uh, I think Philippines is actually one, you know, one of the countries. Right. Yeah, it's, it's strange. But, yeah, Lithuania is definitely... I want to say 90% of all the sports, in terms of how people perceive sports, it has to be basketball. Yeah. I mean, we all play. Uh, everybody has an opinion. We have, you know, we usually joke around. It's you know, 3.5 3. million experts. Yeah. <laughs> really? When, when, yeah, when we watch the game. Um, but, yeah, you know, Lithuania is, is, is obviously very well known for its basketball. I think we just dropped in the, in the FIBA ratings, unfortunately. Yeah, that That's, was a rough showing. Yeah, yeah, it was a rough showing. But, you know, it, it's okay. We stand behind our boys uh, no matter what. But, yeah, you yeah. know, growing up, uh, I played myself. I... Uh, it's kind of hard not to. I was I was a little taller growing up, so it, it was a simple. When you say transition. a little taller, because I want to I want to know you're six five, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm six five. We're about eye to eye level, right? Are you tall for Lithuanian or are Lithuanians all giants? Because I, I only know seven foot Lithuanians. So. <laughs> I'm slightly above average in terms okay. of height, yeah. But you know, I'm not, I'm not super tall. Um, you know, it's it's not like you know people walk around and kind of look at me right. funny. Um, you know, I'm, I'm slightly above average, but. Uh, you know, it, it's it's inevitable for for Lithuanian, uh, I guess, boys and girls actually to to start playing at some point. 
Um, it's actually a funny story how I started playing. So I went to Sharunas Marcellonis Basketball Academy. You know, yeah. He's obviously a very famous Lithuanian. Is he the second most famous Lithuanian basketball player? After Sabon, yeah, probably. Uh, <laughs> for a while, he probably was the you know, really? most famous one. I mean, he was the first one to play yeah. in the league. Right. Um, and, you know, obviously a, a former Nugget as well. You know, so for some of the, some of the listeners. Uh, I went to this academy all 10 years. It's a 10-year academy. Um, and the way I started playing was actually pretty funny. I was maybe, maybe seven or six at that point. And uh, me and my dad went to watch just a random basketball game in, uh, in Vilnius, the city where I, where I grew, grew up in. Um, and after the game, I just went down downstairs to shoot around. Everybody was gone at that point. I was just shooting around on, on a side basket. And then Marcellonis comes out randomly for some reason. He was like, hey, you know, show me what you got. I was like, oh, my God, this is Marcellonis. <laughs> so, uh, I, you know, I, I took the ball. I, you know, I I made a field goal attempt. He just swatted me straight into the. <laughs> so he the was the original, because that's the thing now, right? <laughs> All these NBA players go to these little kid camps, and that's what yeah. they do. But he was doing this back in the nineties. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he just swatted me, and I'm like, all right. You know, I took the ball back and actually I made the second shot, and I was like, you know what? You know, you should, you should go ahead and you know try out. Um, you know, whatever. A month from now, I'm like, all right, that's cool. So that's that's what happened. That's actually how I started playing. Really? Yeah, it's. It's so a, he had like his own like like a club team that's like a yeah, elite Lithuanian think, club. Yes, it's it's yeah, it's it's, a, it's an academy basically. Okay. So, you know, in, in the states, obviously, people go to school and and play basketball at the same time. Uh, back in Lithuania, you, you do kind of both things uh, separately. So ah. you go to your academic school in the morning, and then you go to your basketball school afterwards. That's maybe crazy. at six p.m. or something. Uh, yeah, so that's you know, I, I ended up going to his academy. So this is uh, is it practice? I mean, is it like practice? It's all practice. Yeah, it's two hours of practice. What and um, what are Practices like in Lithuania. I'm always curious. Is it drills nonstop? So probably a little different now than okay. you know, back in my day, okay. which, is, which is what 20 years ago. Yeah. Which is crazy. Uh, but yeah, it's it's a bunch of drills. Yeah. Um, you know, it's 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 yeah, it's, it's shooting drills, it's passing drills. I think it's more fundamentals. You know, it's, that's that's a popular thing to say in Europe. You know, people work on their fundamentals a little more. Right. And I think we do. And I think that still holds true. Um, I think you know we work on our kind of physical level, you know, on our fitness level a little later in the development curve. Gotcha. Uh, we don't start at you know eight or nine or ten years old. We kind of start doing that maybe at sixteen or fifteen. And again, it might be totally different now. I'm just right. saying you know, when, when I was growing up, that's that's what it was. But I know people here, you know, in the states are a lot more athletic, and uh, part of that is genetics. But at the same time, it's it's a different way to look at it. So I'm going to butcher his name, even though I know who he is. Sure. Obviously, know the whole history of it. But do you have a Sarunas Nuggets jersey? Marcelunas, Marcelunas, Marcelunas. I do not. No, unfortunately. But uh, I do have the you know the DVD, the other Dream Team. Uh, you know, it was actually given to me by Sharunas. Um, and you know, I, I think we need to crowdfund. You know, just need to crowdfund to get you one. That seems like something you should have. <laughs> it, really, it really should. Yeah. It's and, like, you know, but, our assistant GM, Arturis Kurnishovas, is actually on that. You know, right. that movie as well. And you know, he's he's probably. He's probably the biggest legend. At this point, he actually is the biggest legend in Lithuania from a basketball perspective. Really? And I know Sabonis seems like it, and Marcinonis as well, but, you know, not a lot of people know that Arturis is actually the leading scorer in Lithuanian basketball history. Wow. Um, and he's still young enough where young people still recognize him, and, you know, he's, he's old enough where, you know, all the, you know, the, the older generation still knows, knows who he is. So he, he is an absolute rock star back in Lithuania. i got to be honest. So after, you know, I got to meet him a little bit sure. at, in Vegas and... The, the, as soon as I got home, one of the first things I did is I went on YouTube to try to find any highlights I had. Yeah, yeah. So I was just like, what kind of player is he? He's super tall, and yeah. I kind of got a feel, but what kind of player was, was Arturis? No, I, honestly, I actually wore number 12 in Arturis' uh, wow. honor my entire life. That's, yeah, so that's it's, too it's, cool. It's really cool to actually be working with him. But yeah, I mean, he was a, you know, he was a, he was a three, kind of like a prototypical three guy, um, you know. Now he's he's probably a three and D. Right. Uh, but, I mean, he's, he was a very good you know defensive player. But you know what he was really good at was just scoring the ball in many different ways. I mean, okay. he had a lot of different uh, ways to score the ball. He was an excellent shooter. Um, you know, excellent kind of score around the basket. Had a lot of stuff to him around the rim. Um, and he was just you know he was just the right. He was a lot of people's favorite player because he was just fun to watch yeah. play. I mean, he he wasn't one of those guys who just you know gets to the line a lot. He did, but at the same time, he was so just flashy about it. And he was really? very, very athletic. Yeah, he had you some know, showmanship. To he him. he did. I mean, he was a he was a very fun player to watch. And uh, you know, he's, he's still sometimes you know we shoot we shoot hoops. You know, you know one on one still beats me. Really? Yeah. Every still once in a while, it. every once in a while, I kind of get you know get my you know my, my W's here and there. But he he still he beats me handedly. 
You're a, an accomplished basketball player yourself, though. No, uh, not, not really. Not, not, maybe not to the same level as, <laughs> as, really, but as thank these you. guys. But, but nice. you played at Harvard. That's a Division One school, an elite yeah. school. There's NBA players that come from Harvard. Uh, true. Yeah, I <laughs> what, know. What was that experience like playing for Harvard? First of all, did you play all four years? No, 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 I didn't. So what happened was, you know, I was, I was uh, recruited out of high school to do it. Uh, I actually had a few pretty decent D1 offers uh, playing in high school, uh, but I had a heart condition uh, that actually ended up kind of preventing me from playing full-time. Yeah. And, you know, Harvard was, was was a choice of mine just because, you know, if you, if you don't end up being a basketball player, you don't end up actually getting a great, great education. So out of all the, all the, all the choices, uh, it was a fairly easy choice. Uh-huh. Um, and, yeah, I didn't end up actually playing all four years, but uh, just because I thought that, you know, at some point it's almost unfair to your teammates and your coaching staff, you know, if you can't go 100% all the time, it's almost like you know occupying a roster spot and just right. I didn't want to have that hanging over my over my head if I want to go and shoot around maybe I shouldn't maybe I take it easy it kind of started messing with my head a little bit so I decided to, to call it quits but it was one of the hardest things I've ever done in my life was quitting basketball yeah quitting really? basketball really yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah what was what was basketball like at Harvard because obviously it's an incredibly difficult school and I don't imagine that's a school where you have somebody doing your homework for you because no. you're on the basketball team so. no 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 I mean and when I, when I when I was coming in I mean Tommy Amaker wasn't the coach yet. Um, I don't know how it is right now, uh, but you know when I was coming in, basketball certainly helped, and you know I'm not going to say that it didn't. Uh, but you still had to have you know some sort of a baseline of grades and, and SAT scores and things like that. So getting in was it wasn't easy. It was easier because I was a basketball. You player. don't have to sell us on going <laughs> to Harvard. We, 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 we get it. Tommy. No, no, no. But you, you know what I mean. You're smarter uh, than all of us. No, that is, that is completely <laughs> false. I, I hope I'm on a record saying that. <laughs> but was the basketball like like you know some of these D1s? I know that's the time commitment is just insane and, yeah. and is, is it the same way there where your entire day is school and basketball and, and nothing else you know I don't really necessarily have anything anything to compare it to yeah um, you know I know some of my best friends played you know at schools that are higher in terms of basketball so I know that their days were completely planned you know they had people helping them with the homework and things like right. that we didn't have that uh, we still had to do all of our stuff we, we could still choose to go to easier classes if we wanted to um, and, but you know a lot, a lot of basketball players who didn't end up playing uh, professionally you know they were still regular students and a lot of people just had no idea who they were um, yeah. so it was when I was coming in Harvard wasn't Harvard I mean right now apparently Harvard is actually a pretty decent basketball school right uh, with Tommy Amaker you know they were ranked you know a little while ago but when I was coming in it was still kind of like a you know mid mid to lower D1 school you classed up the, the program <laughs> I think me quitting was one of the best things that happened to that to that team. <laughs> there you go. Well, let's move on to to analytics because you have such an interesting job. You're director of analytics now uh, for the Denver Nuggets, and you know, first of all, I want to ask: Are you the first person? Because analytics is so new; it's, sure. it's kind of a new term. It's a new idea using numbers in basketball. Right? Are you the first person to hold a, a, an analytics title? With the Denver Nuggets, do you know? Uh, in terms of title, I think I might be one of the first ones. Um, I know that there were people before me who did that type of work. Obviously, right. Dean Oliver was there. Um, you know, he's right. he's considered one of the grandfathers of you know the whole movement. Right. Um, and I know there were a few assistant coaches and people in the front office who did analytics type of work. I don't think they necessarily had the title of analytics. Uh, so I think I'm, I might be the first one to actually have it. Um, but yeah, but in terms of work, uh, I don't think I'm the first one. And how, how new is the field? So I know a lot of teams, first of all, a lot of teams I know have a department. Do you know, does every team have somebody full-time working on analytics? Is that something you know or something you assume? I think, uh, I, I, I assume, and, you know, I, I think I know that most of them at this point have uh, at least a few people working on, on numbers. And, you know, it's, it's not always that they're actually called, you know, basketball analyst right. or analytics director or something like that, but I know there are people who are, you know, it's part of their, part of their duties, but perhaps they actually do a little more analytics type of work. Uh, but, you know, a few folks, you know, who I've, I've talking to on, on different teams, you know, they, they told me that, hey, you know, I'm also doing analytics even though my title is X or something like that. But again, you know, there's certain teams that are, you know, on both extremes. Some, some teams have, you know, five or six programmers on their, on their staff who only do analytics. You know, other teams actually have, you know, fewer people or maybe none. Right. Um, I think we're, you know, we're, we're at a good balance right now with the Nuggets. I find it so interesting because, you know, obviously I'm into analytics. I think most of the listeners know I write for Nylon Calculus. There's a lot of analytics in my writing and this and that. But 
I find it so interesting how much organizations are very secretive about their analytics department. Yeah. It's almost like a you know a, an NBA uh, you know Cold War or so to speak. Just when that people are working on big projects and they won't share or, or leak any of the information. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is, it, is that kind of a thing? Is that what, is that how it works with teams? Or are you interacting a lot with no, other analytics No, come to think about it, I think this podcast is over. I think we should, <laughs> <laughs> we should end it right now. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a secretive field, I would say. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I know a bunch of people in, in the analytics field around, around the league and, uh, you know, even though we share some kind of high-level ideas, right. there's still a lot of uh, you know a lot that's kind of under the surface. So, yeah, it's it's pretty secretive. Uh, what uh, what tools are you working with usually in your day-to-day stuff? I know everybody has access to NBA.com's right. Sport View tools, but that's sure. like a sampler platter, right, of Sport View's full package. Yeah, yeah. yeah there, you know, we we definitely have a bunch of different resources. I mean, yeah, we're definitely not above you know using you know what's out there available right. to the public. Um, it's all it's always about how you analyze the information, not not exactly what you have. But we do have certain um, data that may not be available to the public. Um, so you know, there there are many different ways. And and again, it's there may be you know three or four I would say resources that you know. Maybe the regular fans are, don't have access to, uh, but you know, maybe naming them is probably not the best idea. Right, of course, of course. <laughs> yeah, I gotcha. I got um, yeah. And who do you work with primarily? Are, are you? Uh, is it a little bit of everybody? Are you mostly working with the coaching staff, with the front office? Uh, mostly with the front office, um, absolutely. I mean, I, I was hired by Tim Connolly, and uh, you know, Ertuis was also instrumental in, in hired me, hiring me. So it was it's basically front office. Um, I do work with the coaching staff, whether on it, kind of in the beginning of the season when we decide what we're going to do for the year. You know, I try to automate all those reports for them, and uh, every once in a while, there's an ad hoc project, and you know, that, that the coaches throw my way. But it's mostly with the front office, and it really depends, you know, the the, the period in the season that, that we're in. Right. You know, whether it's the draft, whether it's straight deadline and things like that it still has to ends up being around 80 percent front office and 20 percent coaching staff how does you how does your brain work because i consider myself an analytics guy <laughs> that's why he's a, went to harvard now the uh my, i'm an analytics guy and i think my brain is like 95 percent basketball five percent analytics in that all of my analytics ideas come from watching film and sure. thinking like I get an idea. You know, this guy doesn't seem right, to be right. defending transition well. So I go right. into the data and try to solve that. Is it the same way with you? Because I know some people will mine data and they'll see an anomaly. Mm-hmm. And then they'll say, well, let me dig deeper in this. Which one would you characterize yourself right. as? It's the, uh, the top-down versus bottom-up approach. Right? Okay, yeah, sure. Yeah, <laughs> no, no, it really, really is. Okay. <laughs> nah, that's, yeah, that's, my, that's my finance background. <laughs> <a little bit. laughs> um, no, you know, honestly, I can't tell you which, which one I prefer. Um, I end up actually doing both. Okay. Um, you know, I would say maybe slight edge towards actually bottom up, or actually look at the at the entirety of the data that we have, and you know maybe finding some certain patterns. And I'm right. like, oh, I wonder if that's true. Right. Then I end up watching film. They're like, you know what? I actually don't think that that's true. Or, right. or maybe there's something different going on. Uh, but every once in a while, I'd say you know perhaps as often as I, I watch the game and I realize that maybe we're not doing something right. Um, I'm not smart enough as the coaches. I mean, I, not, right. even, not not even at the same level. But sometimes I see something that I think it's worth exploring. Right. And I end up running a few numbers on it and you know perhaps the numbers start showing me something then I bring it up with the coaching staff and you know more often than not they have ideas about what's going on and every once in a while they're surprised which is which is you know which is a good thing I think the best basketball minds and the best analytics minds or advanced stats minds both are say the same things but speak different languages mm-hmm. and I'm always that's that's almost like a litmus test for how well I, a person knows basketball is if I throw a stat at them and they they immediately see the angles as, as it pertains to basketball. Sure. And is that, um, you know, when you're taking things to, to guys like, uh, you know, Tim Conley or, or Michael Malone or things like this, is there ever a breakdown just in communication because you are speaking two different languages? Is that a difficulty trying to communicate numbers to a basketball guy? Sure. And, and so, 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 so I think, you know, taking a step back, I mean, I consider myself a basketball guy. I mean, analytics is an additional thing that, right. you know, ended up being kind of, you know, my role on, on in the front office. But, um, you know, growing up playing basketball for so long, um, you know, that was very, I think, important to where I am right now. And when, when Tim hired me, um, you know, it, it's, it's a whole story. You know, Tim Tim has, has uh, told a story, I think, on the Stiffs podcast one time. Um, but, you know, we, we met in Moscow when I was, I, I was there while, when I was working for NBA London. 
and uh, he hired me as a basketball guy. Right, know, actually, you right. know, we, we, we spoke about my, my experiences, you know, working in finance and all that stuff. So, I mean, uh, that definitely... You clearly have numbers. Yeah. You clearly know numbers. Right. And, 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 and you know, it's funny because we didn't even talk analytics at all with him right. in Moscow. I mean, we just hung out there for you know, three or four days. And he hired me as, as a basketball guy, just working for him in the front office. And when he asked me, you know, what, what kind of work I, w- I want to do or what, what my title, one, you know, what, what I wanted my title to be, I told him, how about, you know, manager, director of analytics? He's like, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, we'll do analytics. <laughs> I had no idea. So you know, I, I'm uh, you know I, I consider myself a, a kind of a basketball guy first and right. analytics second. Um, and you know, I, I just recently hired actually a, a guy to, to work for me. Uh, so now analytics has you know two people. Awesome, which is cool. The department is growing. Yeah, yeah. Chris Feller, very smart, very ambitious guy. You know, and I love the guy. And the, he, you know, he's he's also a basketball guy. I mean, he's he's right. also analytically inclined. Right. But you know, he's first and foremost, and you know, an analytics. Uh, sorry, a basketball guy. So I think it's very important to have that balance and uh, when I talk to Coach Malone when I talk to Tim um, I think they're they're pretty comfortable at this point uh, talking to me because I try to put everything in basketball terms right and I think they understand that I that I know basketball enough right and uh, you know when I when I try to communicate I mean I want to say 80% of my of my work really is to communicate the data right uh, you know in the right way and not because they wouldn't understand it they definitely would it's just you know saving them time and giving them you know the right information right and you know the most simplest terms possible right i don't want to overwhelm anybody would you say i i talk to a lot of analytics people just through different you know different contexts when having it seems like that's kind of a a a thing a lot of them say is that they're all basketball people first Mm -hmm. numbers guys second do you think in your experience is that the case with most people working in analytics not just for you know the people that you know in the NBA, but maybe in, in, in college basketball and in other sports and things, they know the sport first and the mm-hmm. numbers second. Uh, not always. Um, I do think that you know I meet more kind of basketball people first and then analytics second. You yeah. know, I, I meet I meet enough of those people, but. You know, every once in a while, and it's not uncommon for me to meet somebody who maybe had a different type of background. They didn't necessarily play. Right. Know, they kind of come from a different background and become a basketball guy in the process. Right. Um, so there, there's enough of those people out there. Yeah. yeah. Um, what about this? Is kind of a, like a this is like a stock question to ask a director of analytics. Please. So this is this is maybe my worst question, but it's <laughs> right. kind of fun. Do you, uh, are there any like uh, specific numbers or stats that you like? More than others, or any analytics concepts that maybe you, you gravitate towards, you find the most interesting or the most right. applicable. Um, you know, with with us, well, first of all, you know, box score is, you know, I think everybody's moving away from the traditional box score stats. I feel like, you know, rebounds are, per game. Right, and, right. Yeah. Th- those are a little more interesting, perhaps, for, for the casual fan, you know, who, you know, or maybe fantasy and things like that. I think, you know, we're trying to look at, you know, myself, I try to look at, um, on-off stats quite a bit, and just to see how the team is performing when certain guys are on the floor, when, you know, two guys are on the floor, three guys are on right. the floor, you know, how, how do we look and kind of what's happening. I think that's that might be a little more telling, right? because you know, if you look at, you know, say, Nicola's stats, you know, they're, they're good, but they're not mind-blowing, but you look at his on-off stats, and all of a sudden, you know, he looks like, a, like an amazing player. Um, I think you know that. I think that that distinction is pretty important. And we also, you know, uh, as everybody probably knows, we try to play fast in Denver. Right. It's very important. So you know, I, I've developed a kind of like an in-house way to look at how fast we're playing and how well we're playing when we play fast. It's uh, you know, it's like a collection of different categories. So that's something that we develop internally that, that we try to track as well. Ah, that's really cool. How much? I know another growing field in analytics is you know, biometrics or, or trying to monitor guys' sleep patterns and, yeah. and their how much. Energy they use during a game sure. is that some is that a part of your department right now or is that something that you don't really tap into too much? I'm, invo- I'm involved. Uh, yeah. You know, we have our strength and conditioning guys kind of you know taking over you know that type of that that part of the of the equation. Right. Uh, but you know, if it's if it's data if it's numbers, I'm involved as well. Uh, uh-huh. So it's kind of like a joint. Uh, process with me and those guys. I think that area in particular is such a fascinating one because there is an issue of privacy with that where, sure, yeah. you know, if you're if you're a, a player that's about to be traded or this or that and you're, you know, you obviously have your physical and these baseline right. things, but if some of these scans, you know, or the things they talk about, you can reveal future injuries or things like a guy not right, getting right, right. paid because he has weak tibias or something, <laughs> you know, like, sure. it's, it's almost, it's a really, I think it's an interesting field. We'll have some interesting topics of discussion in the next five, ten right. years. Right, right, um, right. Uh, yeah, it, it, it's happening, but I mean, we'll, yeah, we'll see how, you know, how the league and the Players Association deals yeah. with it. Yeah. Do you ever work directly with any players about numbers? Do they ever ask you? Do you ever bring anything to them? I try not to, honestly. You know, a lot of our guys have so many 
people in their ear all the time. And, you know, I, I try to go through the coaches. Right. Um, always try to do that, you know, first. It, you know, every once in a while, I mean, you know, we're all kind of there. So, yeah. it's, you know, it's kind of hard not to, you know, say certain things. I mean, you know, Will Barton was one of the best transition guys last year. And, right. you know, I'm sure he'd like to hear that every once in a while. <laughs> right. uh, but, you know, I, 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 I try not to go direct with the guys and kind of tell them because there may be a reason why we're seeing certain things. Maybe the coach wants him to do certain things. Right. You know, say like, oh, you know, you're not shooting mid-ranges enough. That may actually, you know, that's hopefully and probably usually ends up being, you know, what the coaches want wants right. them to do. So, you know, I try to uh, I try to go through the coaches. Gotcha. So uh, it sounds like you, even if, if you have ideas, it's always going through Malone, and Malone can filter out right. how he Our wants to run the season. You know, Micah, Wes, Ryan, all those gotcha. guys, uh, you know, try to go that way. I love Micah, by the way. Two, oh, two summers in a row now, I've gotten to interview him and talk to him at Summer League. Yeah. No, they're, they're all the best. I mean, we love our coaching staff. I mean, they're, they're, they're good dudes. Wow. Um, what does Tim Connolly think of analytics? Is he, first of all, is he an analytics guy? As in, like, you give him a spreadsheet, and he goes home and like looks through it, or is he, or is he a guy that lets you do that and then you explain it to him? Uh, you know, he has a, he has a very healthy balance, I think, okay. between uh, kind of believing analytics and understanding the con, you know, the right. context. Right. And I, I think you know both both him and I share that, um, and I think that that's the reason why you know we work well together is because we both understand that it's you know it's a very popular thing to say it's not the end all solution. Right. Uh, it's a tool in your toolbox. You know, I've heard that, that so many <laughs> right. times now. Uh, but it, it is true. And, and Tim understands that. And uh, I think he's, he's on record even saying that. And, and I like that because... Um you know, more often than not, I mean, I try to look at the at the right numbers. You know, as far as I, I, I think that they are right, and uh, I try to understand why why certain things are happening, and we can have a healthy discussion about it. But I mean, we're never going to let the numbers dictate, you know, 100% of our decision making. I think you know it gives us the direction to which we we can we can we can debate further. There's been there was like a lot of controversy in the early years, like two years ago, three you know three years ago, where people hated analytics or useful. <laughs> you know, Charles Barkley's been very vocal, sure. and I think it's. I think it's the idea of analytics that you just explained. The, right. the like, this number says this guy's a bad rim protector, therefore he's a bad rim protector. Right, right. When really, I think all numbers are well. That's interesting. What are the reasons? If you if you, if the only explanation you have for something is a number, you probably don't understand that concept. <laughs> sure. But yeah. if that number pointed you, and then you look at the film and you say, okay, right. here's what's going on. This is why he's struggling. He right, right, right. And, and, and you know, and again, I think we struck a pretty good balance with the Nuggets. And we actually have a another analytics arm within KSC, our parent company. You know, it, it's run by Brett Barrett. Um, Sandy Wheel is the director there. Lane Mashro, who you know, you know from from Nylon Calculus. I mean, very smart guys. Very helpful. Basically, what they do is they support um, all the KSC teams with uh, kind of you know research type, kind of like a more uh, kind of macro type of projects, right. um, and you know, and other additional things that we may necessarily use day to day. So that's something that you know that they that they do that they help us, and they're very smart. You know, their stuff is very very high quality. Um, and, you know, they help us with software purchasing and, you know, doing all these kind of additional things uh, that if we need additional analytics support, you know, those guys are there for us. So I think, you know, we're pretty set with, with our analytics knowledge, um, and, which is really good. But, you know, it kind of lets me and Chris do more Nugget-specific work. Right. Um, and, and, you know, the, the stuff that, they, that those guys do, it's a little less kind of has to do with day-to-day stuff. That's, you know, that's a little more on me and Chris. Um, and, uh, again, you know, to, to answer the question, you know, it's, it's a long story short. I mean, I think we're we have a very healthy understanding, kind of what's what's too much, right. and you know what's what's not not not, not enough, right? Um, and uh, and at the same time, I actually, I, I understand the debate why analytics may be you know a little too much, and sure. especially from from a perspective of an older you know older player, more old school type of mind, just right. because you know. There are a ton of things that analytics can't quantify. And right. we, we get that. I mean, I understand right. that. I'm never, I'm never going to try, um, you know, to quantify everything, right? Uh, because there's still a, the magic of the sport, right? I mean, you still have to understand that certain things happen for a reason, and certain things, you know, things like chemistry, things like you know, chemistry between the coach and the player. Those things we can quantify, and that's okay. But we, we try to quantify as much as possible, and then have a spirited and informative discussion of the things that we can quantify. Right. Right. I always think I was, I'm always curious with people in front offices how much the work they do is big picture stuff because for me the reason I like analytics the reason I find them fascinating mm-hmm. and like I said I'm 95% basketball I write about just basketball every right. now and then I get into the numbers and, it's, and have fun with it but the reason I like the numbers is because I'm a person that philosophically I want to solve basketball I know it's an unsolvable thing sure. but, but I like you know, I played lower level basketball in college, and I coach and does these things. Every year, I feel like I learn something new about the game. You know, like a new idea. And analytics is a thing, is a tool that helps me learn things about the game that I don't think I would have 
been led to had I not had the questions that were arose from analytics. So that's sure. That's the way. I know that there's a lot of you. You, you talked about projects and, and you know the draft and going to the numbers for this and stuff. But for me, my favorite part of analytics is you know what is the trade off? There's this trade off between offensive rebounding and transition defense. It's mm-hmm. something I probably would have never thought about, or at least not thought about in this way, sure. had it not been presented to me in a numbers kind of way where right. you can kind of see that trade off. So yeah, but instinctually you can understand that there's a connection. Correct. Right? Correct. And yeah. also the you know, analytics sometimes tells you how big the connection is, or you know how small it is, and uh, you know sometimes, and sometimes you know, reveal things that aren't as intuitive. That one I think it is intuitive because, sure. yeah, you, you attack the glass, you're going to not right, be back. Right, right, but right. there are some things that are sometimes less intuitive. The corner three-pointers don't actually give up. There's not a correlation to shooting corner threes and giving up transition baskets. I think I would have thought that was true just sure. because you're the deepest position. Right, 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 right. So there are certain things. That's just a terrible example, actually. There's, there's much more interesting examples. <laughs> right. But no, things it's, of that nature yeah. where I'm like, oh, that's interesting. I wouldn't have guessed that right, right. otherwise. But um, how uh, – how inquisitive and receptive is, is Coach Malone to analytics? I know he talks in press conferences. He's such a great interview, by the way, in press conferences. But I know in press conferences he'll always use advanced stats. Mm-hmm. He'll, he'll, he won't just say, you know, we're, we're a, a slow-paced team or this or that. He'll say, we get a lot of transition baskets or we get a lot of points in the paint or, you know, so-and-so is shooting such-and-such such outside the paint but this right. much inside. And those right. are advanced stats. They might be yeah. relatively basic. You can say but, that, yeah. But They're the, basic advanced. Right, basic advanced. <laughs> Mid-level stats. Yeah. <laughs> um, how, how inquisitive is he about about this type of stuff? He's, he's pretty inquisitive. Uh, you know, I, I found it very easy to work with Coach Malone. Um, you know, he is. I think is he has been a part of so many kind of really good and winning organizations. You know, having you know having been you know with Golden State and you know all the, all these other teams and you know with New Orleans when they went pretty far. Um, you know, he he has his philosophies and you know he's also very willing to uh, to adapt and kind of learn new things. And uh, I think he thinks in numbers. Uh, more often than not, and it's been very simple to communicate with him. I mean, every time you know I have an idea, you know, and if I get a chance to actually you know explain it to him, he gets it quickly. Um, he may have different ideas, which is totally okay. Right. But uh, I've never had a, a situation where I had to you know explain something to him for longer than you know 20 seconds. Right. He gets right. it immediately, and uh, you know he acts on it whether you know whether he does or he doesn't. At least he understands what's going on. That's kind of been my experience with him too. Obviously, you're much much more intimately involved with, with the inner workings of the team, but. It, just in interviewing and post games, I mentioned earlier about how some guys you throw out a stat and they it, it confuses them. He's sure. a guy that sees all angles, more angles than I see, because yeah, I'll yeah. say, here's something I noticed, you guys are struggling at this. And he'll say, well, here's five possible reasons yeah, of why, yeah. you know, right, why right. that's happening. And it's, it's, always, it's always so interesting, because yeah. it's... Like I said, it's different languages, but they're talking about the same thing. He's a guy that he, he maybe he doesn't speak in just numbers, but he mm-hmm. at least understands the numbers very quickly and, it's, and sees. It's all. very hard to surprise him. I'm gonna yeah. say that. Yeah. I mean, you know, sometimes you know when, when you talk to certain coaches, like, oh wow, well, I didn't know. You know, not the coaches on our staff right now, right. <laughs> just, just in general, you know. But uh, you know, when you talk to coach, you know, coach Malone and you know some of the other guys in our assistant, they're like, oh yeah, yeah, no, we we know that, we know, and there's a reason why we're doing it, or or yes, we're working on that. Gotcha. So it's never been something that you know they they, they were wowed by. I'm gonna. I'm going to give myself a challenge now to surprise him with a question at practice. <laughs> or yeah, yeah. I'm going to try it now. I'm, I'm interested just to see that. It won't work. <laughs> he's, he's a very, very, he's a good interview. Very, very smart dude. Yeah. Um, what do you think? Do you think uh, analytics departments are going to continue to grow over the next five, ten years? Do you think this is a field that's going to, you're going to have ten people on staff and analytics here in, in ten years? Good question. I think it's, you know, the more data we have, uh, there's naturally more data to analyze. Uh, so I think, you know, and the data is only growing. You know, we were talking about biometrics before. I mean, you know, that part is growing as well. So I think there's still going to be a little bit of growth going on, but I think at some point it's going to uh, it's gonna look like an S-curve a little bit. You know, it's going to taper, you know, taper off. Um, I don't see uh, kind of a, a sustained growth in the field, uh, but there's still some growing left to do. At least that's, that's what I think. Okay. A lot of that computing power too, you think? I mean, like... Uh, you know, I, I think there's going to be almost like a natural ceiling to it just because at some point we'll have so much of it and uh, there are only so many insights you can get from it at some point. And I think it's almost like we're almost seeing that now a little bit. Really? Yeah, I mean, when you, when you see, you know, certain, certain things work very well and other things don't. And, I mean, you know, analytics have helped us to identify what those things are. Right. And uh, there's still more learning to do, so that's why I think, you know, it's going to keep growing a little bit. But I don't, I don't see – I'm seeing kind of like the uh, – the, uh, the curving of the of the S curve. Right, right. That right. makes sense. Gotcha. A bit. No, totally. But I, I can be wrong. Yeah. But that's kind of like what I'm seeing right now. Gotcha. What a 
what do you think? What is, what is the best part of the job? I mean, everybody wants to work in sports. <laughs> you're working in sports. You're working for an NBA team. What's, yeah. the, what's the coolest part of your job where you sit back and you're like, man, just this is pretty just, good. Just being around basketball, honestly. I mean, yeah. you know, just it's a, such a such an easy and, and, and BS answer, but it really is. <laughs> I mean, it's it's just being around the sport that I absolutely love. I mean, I, I have no other sport in my mind that, that occupy right. more than like three percent of my brain power. I, mean, I, I, I don't watch soccer. I'm from Europe, and I don't watch soccer. I mean, it's, my wife. My wife knows everything about you know different sports. I mean, she watches. Really? She watch, yeah. My wife's dad. You know, and, she has to explain it to you then. <laughs> I, I know how those sports are played, okay. uh, and you know, I, myself, you know, I, I love playing tennis. I love playing you know soccer, ping pong, like all, all the all these different sports. I love playing them, yeah. but I, I can't watch them just because right. I, I just don't have the. Uh, you know the interest level. My wife's dad is a big, big sports guy. He watched every single sport in the Olympics. I remember we were we were playing Spain. Lithuania was playing Spain in basketball, and there was a there was a what do you call it? I mean, it's it's, it's like when when really strong dudes gonna keep, keep keep lifting stuff. What is it? Just like heavy lifting? That's okay, yeah, weight there lifting. We go. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Weightlifting, yeah that's, that that shows you how much I know. Yeah, yeah. It was like a weightlifting thing. You know, yeah. it's, it was the Olympics, and uh, her dad just kept like you know jumping back and forth from the game to the weightlifting. I'm like, Jesus, this is just like awful for me. Yeah. All I want to do is just watch Lithuania, Spain. We were right. like getting killed. We were like down uh, 35. It was one of the worst. Uh, I'm like, I still want to watch that game. Right. And he just kept like yeah. yeah jumping back and forth to the weightlifting. I'm like, this is this is hell for me. So, it, <laughs> I feel like Lithuanians are always in the strongest man competition. Yeah, too, actually, are they? Yeah, 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 no, we actually got the bronze this year. Really? It's like yeah, Iceland is got always the good. <laughs> Strong dudes. Yeah, but again, you know, it's it's being around basketball, you know, being yeah. around the sport that I grew up, you know, watching and playing. And also, you know, another really cool, cool part, I mean, this is going to sound like, uh, you know, embellishment, but I mean, the guys that I work with, we're, we're very fun, friendly. We're actually a very tight-knit group. I mean, those guys came to my wedding. Yeah. They came to Lithuania <laughs> for, for a wedding, which is crazy. So, yeah, I just, you know, I love spending time with those guys. I mean, that, they're fun guys to be around. That's so important, I think, in any field. Just, right. just the yeah. camaraderie, especially in this field where right. there's pressure. Oh, there's, the camaraderie is real. Okay, yeah. that, that I can tell you. Yeah, that's yeah. phenomenal. That's really good. We're going to get back to Tommy Balchettis in just a moment, but I want to tell you about the sponsor of the show who makes this show possible, washclubdenver.com. Wash Club Denver is a brand new laundry, full-service laundry company that offers on-demand pickup and delivery of your laundry. Here's how it works. You go to washclubdenver.com or download the Wash Club app. They have their own app. And you just enter in what uh, your address and what you need done, what how much laundry you have, and uh, they'll take care of the rest. They actually come to your house and pick up your laundry. They take it to their state-of-the-art facility and wash it for you. If it's dry cleaning, whether it's regular laundry, whatever, they do it all. And they'll bring it back to you within 24 hours, deliver it right to your doorstep. Incredible service. This is the future of laundry, if you ask me. And Last week, you know, somebody asked me what it means to have a state-of-the-art facility, and I had to ask them. And turns out it's an energy-efficient and water-efficient laundry facility. So they actually use about one-third of the water that you would use to wash your own laundry. So it's, a, it's also a green company. They serve the entire metro area, all the way from Highlands Ranch down in the south up to Thornton, Westminster, Commerce City in the north. Uh, pretty much everywhere, you know, everywhere inside the metro area. And uh, they're big fans of the show that if you use the promo code STIFFS, S-T-I-F-F-S, you get 25% off. How cool is that? We have our own promo code. So give them a try. I actually hear that uh, people have been using it. Listeners of the show have been using the promo code STIFFS, which is, which is awesome. And hit me up on Twitter on DenverStiffs.com. If you've used the company, let me know how it went. Give me a review of the company. I want to know how our sponsors are doing. Again, that's WashClubDenver.com or the Wash Club app. I actually want to go back to the Olympics here for a second. Sure. And, and not about basketball. It, it, <laughs> I do find it interesting that you said that, that all these other sports don't interest you because I'm the exact same way. Like football, I, I'm so out on football. Like the last five years, <laughs> my interest in football has just gone downhill. And it's funny because the Broncos won a championship. That's right, my right, team. Right. Yeah. I kind of was excited. Right, not that excited. I was, I, I was excited. Yeah, <laughs> it's cool to live in a city where you where, where that happens. Exactly, right, that's right. what it is. It's cool to see all of your friends happy. Yeah. That was really what it comes yeah. down to. Um, but I'm kind of out on it too. But the Olympics, I was surprised at how much I got into the Olympics. Okay, uh, you had a lot of stuff going on. Of course, you were. You, yeah, you were was, around the world. Yeah, my honeymoon. Yeah. <laughs> so, but did you watch any Olympics other than weightlifting and basketball? <laughs> Just for being force fed weightlifting. <laughs> yeah. um, 
A little bit. God, I mean, really, n- not enough for sure. Um, and again, my wife's sister, actually, she's a, she's a big sports journalist back in Lithuania. So oh, wow. She, so she watched everything, so she would just keep me up to date. It's, it really is very interesting, and definitely not trying to say that it's not. Just for me, I mean, I'm so into basketball that it's almost it's almost impossible for me to, to really be interested or excited about another sport. So I didn't really watch anything else. You say you played, uh, you'll play other sports, right. just recreationally. Yeah. Like, is there any other sports that you play somewhat regularly? Um, I try to play tennis as much as possible. Yeah, yeah I can and see just that. Some driving range golf, but I'm terrible, and it, I just started doing it. And it's fun. I haven't crossed over to golf yet. <laughs> yeah, I, I no, said no, when no, I turn no 30, golf. I'm going to go driving range. Yeah, driving range. <laughs> yeah. That's true. That is different. Yeah. That's like but kind of like pup tennis pup is probably probably my second favorite sport to play for sure. Watching yeah, so. again, it's like eh. yeah, who can watch tennis? <laughs> I'd say watching golf. I don't understand those oh, people no. either. I mean, I, I couldn't. Move to so, to to ask you about international basketball here because I find it so fascinating. Obviously, the 2004 team lost. <laughs> I don't remember who. That was, a, that was a really fun day for me. Yeah, I'm sure it was. No, the, the, you know, the 2004 team lost, and, the, and there was a, a crisis of USA basketball, yeah, right, yeah. and everything. And it's been really interesting to watch international basketball grow with Spain and Argentina, Lithuania, of sure, course, and sure. then some of these great teams. Um most recently, it looks like the U.S. has pulled away again a, a, a little bit. Yeah. Do you think, is international basketball catching up? And not just in the Olympi- Olympics, anything can happen. Right. But I'm really more curious about just the development process of mm-hmm. international basketball and, uh, you know, just the training facilities and the interest in these countries. Is, yeah. is basketball growing in Europe the way it's perceived? From what I see, I would say yes. Um, you know, there's a lot more focus that's placed on, uh, you know, nutrition and, you know, the, the, the athletes' bodies and, you know, the skill development. And again, growing up for me, we didn't have individual coaches who work on our skill development. But right now, we actually, I'm seeing, actually, one of my good friends that I played with growing up, he's the, he's an individual skills coach right now working with a bunch of um, young players as well as veteran players, actually, back in Europe. So that's something that wasn't commonplace when I was growing up, but right now it actually exists. And I have a feeling it's, it's the same way across Europe, not just in Lithuania. Um, so in that regard, yes, I would say there's there's a lot more growth going on, um, and yeah, I mean we see you know a bunch of a bunch of international players getting drafted, a bunch of international players kind of towards the end of their career actually making a jump to the NBA, um, and I think that's going to continue happening. And here's an interesting one for you because there was I think 110 international players in the NBA two years ago, mm-hmm. and last year there was like 107 or something like that. Sure. I think I think it went down. It was the first time in a while that it went down, but not a lot. I mean right. it was basically the exact same. Mm-hmm. Do you think in five ten years time is that number going to be 150 or do you think or do you think maybe we're at like something of a critical mass of, of international players uh good question i think there's there's a little bit of uh of a cushion between the u.s and then europe still or just the rest of the world not necessarily europe i mean right. we saw what australia did in, in the olympics right um and, and other countries i think there's still a little bit of catching up to do so it wouldn't surprise me if there's a little more uh growth in terms of maybe more players in the league but you're right. I mean, I feel like it's we're pretty close to a critical point, in my opinion. Um, and you know, there's still going to be the majority of NBA players are still going to be have gone through the college and the AAU process here in the states. One of my one of the things I'm really interested in is basketball in Africa. Just I mean, so many people in Africa. Sure. And, and what's the infrastructure? If the infrastructure arrives there, mm-hmm. I just think it would. It's such a there's so, so much potential for opening up the game to a whole, whole yeah. new prospects, and, yeah, yeah. and I'm so fascinated by that. And it was interesting that you mentioned training and, and that kind of being a new field in Europe mm-hmm. because, to me, it's almost taken for granted out here. There's Even in Colorado, which is not a hotbed, we, what do we have, three players in the NBA from Colorado, yeah. I think, right now. But there's still every every city has their own guy that's like the the training guy yeah, and the, the camps yeah. and this and that. So yeah, yeah. And people pay big big money for that. Sure, yeah, um, it's, you know it's, there's there reasonable returns if you, actually, <laughs> if, you, if you make it big. That's that's true. If you yeah. make it, for, the, for the two or three guys that make it to the end, you right. to pay that back. Right. Um, no, that's interesting. And then what are some of the big? I know uh, in Europe, some of the big hotbeds for hoops are, you know, the ex-Yugoslavian com- countries like Croatia, Serbia, mm-hmm. Ba- mm-hmm. Bosnia, um, Lithuania. I'm sure is also the oh. the, the, the tops. <laughs> the, the tops them all. Yeah, <laughs> no, they're, they're, yeah we're okay. <laughs> where are some other ones? Uh, some other countries where basketball, but maybe not not even that it's it's the best, but just mm-hmm. that's the most popular and. and uh, I think you know there's certain. Uh, you're right. 
right. The, the usual suspects are always going to be there. Uh, you know, the ex-Yugoslavian countries, uh, you know, some of the Baltic states as well, uh, namely Lithuania and Latvia. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's obviously growing in Australia. You know, we, we, we see, you know, more and more and more players play in the league. And, you know, as a team, they were, they were, they were very good in, uh, uh, you know, in Rio just, just, why is, just now. Why is Australia? Is there a story behind that Do you know of? I don't know. Why is Australia <laughs> so good at, at I think basketball? It, it just took a few guys to, to make it big. And, yeah. then, you know, it, then it, it kind of, you know, starts the whole domino, you know, effect. And, and, and that's what happens. Uh, but, you know, Spain and France have always been good, and, and you know, I'm, I'm sure they're going to continue being good. I mean, we have Quancho. Right. You know, he's going to be the, you know, the, the next big thing, hopefully, yeah. hopefully you know, I for us and, and, for, and for Spain. I love that guy. Yeah. I, I, mean, I mean, last year, me and myself and uh, Rafael, our international scout, I mean, we were, uh, we were at U20s. We were fortunate to be there, and we saw him play for the, you know, for the first, not for the first time, but, I mean, we knew of him a little bit, but we saw him he actually play. Yeah. He stood out. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we're very happy that he's he's, he's donning the the Nuggets uniform now. I mean, he's a you know he's, he's a heck of a guy, and hopefully he'll be a good player. Um, you know, along with all the other rookies that, that we got. I love that the Nuggets are so international. I just think it, <laughs> I, I, I might be the only one, but I, 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 I like. I think I hope there are more like more people <laughs> like you, Adam. You know, I think we're more popular in Europe than we are. You know, than we are in Colorado. We'll, at we'll, at the be, we'll be in London. You know, yeah. we'll, we'll see how many people come out. I'm, very, I'm sure there's going to be a healthy Serbian crowd. There. I'm very curious to see what the fans <laughs> are like there. If they skew more Indiana or they skew more Denver. Uh, I'm guessing we have much, obviously, much more. NBA players yeah. from Europe, so yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, uh, yeah. Hopefully, I mean, <laughs> I, I know that there, are you know, there are healthy populations living in the UK, right? You know, both, you know, from ex-Yugoslavian countries, and we have a Bosnian and Serbian on our team. So hopefully, and obviously, you know, Quanchu being from Spain. That game's on my Gallo. birthday, so I might, I might have to fly out. The wife and I might fly out to London. Okay, okay. Pro- probably okay. not. <laughs> probably not. Hey, we'll why have not? like a two-month-old baby at the time. I don't think it'll <laughs> that's work. that's a tough one. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, last one before we go to a fun little top five list, but I want to ask you to what extent. Is the game of basketball evolving? Uh, or what, to what extent do you think the game is a changing? Because if you watch the game in the '80s, it's very—it's almost like a different sport. To be mm-hmm. honest with you, mm-hmm. the defense is different. They fast break. They play fast. Right. It's different than the '90s, which is different than the 2000s. Different than today. Do you see the game as, as something that's constantly changing, or do you think it's—it's it's, the changes are drastically overstated? Uh, I don't think they're drastically overstated. I, I think it changes uh, for sure. I mean, you know, certain things become more important as. Uh, you know, and, and again, you're know, tying into analytics. I mean, analytics probably uncovered a few things that, that end up being, you know, more important. You know, back in the day, long twos were a little more commonplace. Today, they're not because they've been disproven as as right. as, as the best way to, to you know to make shots. At the same time, we have certain um, not anomalies, but let's say you know generous exceptions from the rules. You know, like uh, certain players in the league who actually can make those twos. Right. Um, so I think you know analytics helps to uncover certain things, and uh, you know we see the corner three becoming a lot more important. You know, we see just the three in general. You know, I think Kirk, Kirk uh, Goldsberry did uh, research over the last, I don't know how many, maybe 30 years uh, in terms of how three-point shots have become a lot, a lot more important in, in the way we play today. Right. Um, and you're seeing, you know, the, the, all the rage that, that's small ball today, even though I think there's still ways to, to win, even if you're not, if you don't necessarily have a small ball unit out there. Um, so it is changing, and you kind of, you know, you have to continue to understand how the game is being played. Uh, and I think it's going to continue changing, but I mean, again, certain trends tend to come back every once in a while. You know, like uh, like beards now you know, <laughs> in, in Colorado. I feel like that's going to happen that's, in the league as well. That's how it is. Huh? That's <laughs> how it is. Yeah. So I can't wait to see what '80s trends are going to come back to the NBA. Yeah, maybe the mullet. Uh, oh, jeez. I'm, I'm going to grow it out. Yeah. See, see if that comes back. Yeah. <laughs> you'll be the trend center. Well, like why it. not? Why you not? Know, here in Denver's becoming more and more hipster. I think you'll blend right in. Yeah, I don't even think people go. will know you're you're starting to grow a trend. mustache though. I can't grow a mustache. A lot of fun, really, really fun podcast. Really appreciate coming on. I'm going to give you a top five. I like to do this with our guests and give them all a top five list that they have to create. And that has nothing to do with basketball. Sure. Um, just to kind of get to a little bit of a sense of your personality and your likes and dislikes. Mm-hmm. You're a, an international man of mystery. You have, <laughs> you, you, you're from, you know, you've been around the world. You went to Harvard. You just went on a, a honeymoon that took you to exotic locations around the globe. Yeah. So I want top five destinations that you that you have been to around the globe. Now it doesn't have to be cities. It can be a you know a park or a place sure. or what have you. Yeah, oh, that's a good one. Uh, you know, 
Some people are going to think I'm crazy, but I loved Istanbul a lot. Okay. Um, I really, really did. And I hear that from a lot. I don't think that's crazy. That's yeah, always considered Some people a, are like, oh, it's a little too busy. It's a little something, something, uh, you know. And, and uh, you know, certain things don't work there, you know. Like right. the, <laughs> there's, uh, it, I, think, I think the structure, you know, the governmental structures is, is not always, uh, it's, it's, let's just say it's not, not, not the most structured company. Got, uh, got, company. Jesus, country, <laughs> country in the world. <laughs> yeah, but it's, uh, it's such a fun place from, from so many different angles. I mean, the food is amazing. The weather yeah. is great. I mean, you can do, you can kind of, you know, immerse yourself both in the Asian part and the European part. I mean, there's right. so many cool things to see and do in, in Istanbul, and it's so vibrant. Uh, so it's been one of my favorite cities uh, for sure. Um, let, let's think one else. I mean, I, you know, my wife and I, we're, we're big travelers. Yeah, we just came back from Sri Lanka and the Maldives. I'm, I'm gonna put the Maldives number two. Really? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's uh, it's just a place where it's almost like you know nothing else exists. You know, just oh. you, the water, and you know, and the good food that was there. I, um, I asked him about his honeymoon. He said Sri Lanka. It was broken into two parts. And the first part was the adventure. And the yeah. second part was the relaxing. Yeah, the adventure was for my wife because she's just <laughs> such a big active traveler, and I love her to death. And but she she made me. You know, hike up to like the highest mountains. And I was, <laughs> I was with it for a little while, but I, I reached a personal crisis a few times. And you know, she was just, she was just not having it. The water at the Maldives is gorgeous. Oh like yes, beautiful. Yeah, beautiful. You know, blue water. Um, you know, the weather is obviously amazing. Yeah. Um, it's just, it's just an island where, where you do nothing. And, you know, one of my best friends. You know, my best man at my wedding, uh, Marty Bosch has played the Duke. I mean, that's that's his destination to go to. He's been there for yeah four times. So we told oh, wow. things to do. Yeah, so perfect. It's, uh, yeah, it's been a, it's been a fun time. All right, Istanbul, Maldives. Some good Maldives. Yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty okay. Um, this is going to be a boring one. I'm going to throw one in there. Oh, I love uh, it. Yeah. But, uh, Nebraska. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Omaha, Nebraska. <laughs> no, it's, uh, it's San Francisco. Okay. Is that a boring one? Come on down. Yeah, it's a, it's a cool place. Um, just, you know, I have some friends living there. It's, uh, it's like a nice, nice kind of marriage between okay weather and right. just kind of you know it's just a fun city to be you know to be in love the water as well i mean you know, we don't necessarily have water here in denver right uh but but uh you know i love the ocean i was stuck on one of the bridges out there for like two hours one Does. time and, and it ruined the whole city for Sounds me awful. so i mean Sounds i'm awful. with you except for except for that experience sure yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah um thinking what else barcelona was really cool yeah uh that's one place I have been. Yes, Barcelona was very cool. Um, yeah, I was a big fan just, just because again, so many things you can do, and you know, it's a, it's a big sports town. Um, Another gorgeous city too. I mean, really, yeah, it really like is. Istanbul. I mean, it really is. Yeah, pretty yeah. architecture. Yes, and uh, only oh, one you know, spot left. You know what? Uh, what country I really loved it was uh, Croatia. I was Ooh. there. I was there for maybe really, maybe for one day or two days. Kind of drove by it, uh, but honestly, I mean, what, I really want to come back. What part? So we actually went. To, my wife and I went to uh, the European Championship with three years ago in 2013 in Slovenia, which Slovenia, by the way, is also um, amazing. But really, we 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 flew into. Uh, where did we fly into? Wow, it's three years ago. I don't remember, but I know we drove. Zagreb or. No, actually, we didn't fly into Serbia. I think we actually we flew into. God, I mean, she's gonna kill me because I don't know. <laughs> anyway, we drove through Croatia. I want. I want it for the record that one of Tommy's five favorite places he doesn't remember the name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yep, yep. But no, we drove through Croatia. Um, I think we actually landed somewhere else. But yeah. We drove through Croatia, and it was it was amazing. And I know I, I told myself I wanted to come back and just kind of spend like a week there. And uh, you know, some of the guys on our staff they absolutely love uh, you know the Balkans. And uh, you know, I, I want to come back. That's probably going to be something I want to do. Well, that's a solid list. You got a, you got a little bit of everything there. Yeah. You've got you've got islands. You got the U.S. You've got Europe. So yeah, and, yeah. Uh, this is a good good variety. Trying to trying to keep it yeah, diverse as, as much as possible. Tommy, thanks so much for coming on. Really appreciate Thank it. Thanks for having me. Adam. Really good fun. time. We'll have to do it again before too long. Absolutely. All right, everybody. We'll see you again next week. Thanks for listening to the Pickaxe Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and visit us on the web at denverstiffs.com. Have you heard? Metro by T-Mobile now includes Amazon Prime. Yes, enjoy the best of shopping and entertainment, movies, TV shows, music, free shipping, and much more. All included for just $40 per line for three lines. All on the T-Mobile network. Discover the smarter way. Metro by T-Mobile. That's genius. One offer per account. Offer subject to change. $12.99 per month value. Offer valid for new Amazon Prime members. Metro customers may notice reduced speeds versus some T-Mobile customers. Video at 480p. Capable device required. See store for details and terms and conditions.